Welcome to the C3SYD podcast. Our heart for you is that you would know Jesus, find community and discover purpose. To find out more about our church, head to our website at c3syd.church. We hope that this message encourages you today. I think the one that needs the honour this morning, of course, is Jesus himself. Boy, if there's any day. Yeah, come on, give it a Lord. How about a clap? How about a shout? Oh, my gosh. Come on, keep clapping. This is all about Jesus. There's any day in the year that he deserves our thankfulness, our praise, our honour, our worship. Come on, keep clapping him. God is good. Oh, I like that. I like the occasional whistle there. That's... Oh, we, we need to bring the whistle back to church, you know. And maybe the bagpipes, you know. You know why people who play bagpipes walk when they're playing. They're trying to get away from the noise. <laughs> when, I was, when I was a young teenager, I mean, Good Friday for me when I was younger was not, not I don't have actually great memories <laughs> Of it, it's very seemed very somber and and sad and but really it's the great really the great the, today and Sundays the greatest days of the Christian calendar. Pastor Al calls it the Super Bowl of Christianity, but but today is really a joyful day because of what Jesus did. And I remember when I was a young teenager, I, I really didn't have a revelation of Christ, and and I didn't have a revelation of the goodness of Good Friday because I didn't know Him. And I was a young teenager, I'd be out in the surf, we'd go down to, at Easter, we'd go down the south coast for a little Easter break, and I'd be out surfing as, as, was, as I did. And at 2.30, without fail, my father would come down to the beach and call me in out of the surf. It's time. Come, come out of the surf, and I'd be like, no. <laughs> I didn't want to get out, because to me that was fun, it was life, what have you... But I dutifully obeyed each time and jumped in the car reluctantly and drove off to church. And at three o'clock every Good Friday, did the Stations of the Cross, and did that. And it was and it just was this heavy, somber feel because I didn't know God. But once I once I found Christ, suddenly Good Friday became a good day, and I, the realization of what Jesus had done and what He's done for us that is eternal. And every day, every day is a day for the cross. Not just celebrating a piece of history, but we live with that power of that cross. How's that song? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Classic old thing. So right now, before we get into a a brief word we have for us this morning, just lift our hands before God and just, now's time for worship. We're going to worship at the end. Father in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus... (laughs) We thank you. You went all the way. All the way. Even when you didn't want to. Even as you prayed, Jesus, if it is at all possible, take this cup from me. You still did it anyway. And for that, and for what you endured on the cross, we are ever thankful. And this morning, 
we give you, Jesus, all the thanks, all the praise, and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give him one more hand. Fantastic. You may be seated. You may be seated. So good to see you. I just want to introduce some friends, dear, dear friends, uh, the, the Gibb family. Uh, stand up, Dave. Actually, stand, everyone stand up. There's a whole row of them here. <laughs> and uh, give them a hand. I'll explain who they are in a sec. That's enough embarrassment. You may be seated. Dave Gibb, I've known for 33 years, and he was the second guy as a young single engineer to meet Christ in our church plant in C3 Long Island in New York. He, this young uh, atheist? Yeah, whatever, new age, whatever, guy walks in, of all things, to our prayer meeting with like 10 people in this prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, I don't know why I had the inclination. I said, does anybody wanna, anyone here wanna know Christ? <laughs> which probably all 10 of them could have got saved anyway. But uh, he actually met Christ and now is one of the assistant pastors in our church in New York and such a great man. So welcome, Dave. And four kids and the boyfriend, which is awesome. So so fantastic. All right. Hey, um, this morning, you know, there there are many things that Jesus has done. As we look at the Scripture, I want to let the Scripture speak to what happened on on Good Friday. There's so much from this. I had to just cut. There's so many things that can be said about Good Friday. I love the fact that the cross really is the centrepiece of human history. Everything before the cross versus everything after the cross is completely different. The cross is the centerpiece of human history. At that point, life changed forever, both forward and backwards in history, which is a crazy thing that God post-redeemed things prior to the cross, which is an amazing piece of, of truth and theology. I love the fact that the book of Isaiah spends a whole chapter, which we're not going to read this morning, chapter 53 of Isaiah, a whole chapter predicting 700 years before it actually took place, predicting what would happen to the absolute fine detail of what happened on the cross. The prophet Isaiah saw a vision of that, knowing that it was going to be one of the most important days in human history. How amazing is that? So I just want us to understand the centrality, the, the, the importance historically of the cross and what God was preparing. And I love this quote by Malcolm Muggeridge a, a, in his wonderful book called Jesus Rediscovered. Because at the time, the people looking on would not have known the significance of how powerful this moment was. Most of the disciples had disappeared and fled were in fear and were still in fear. There was maybe one disciple at the cross. And of course, the many great women were there supporting Jesus. The Romans were like, well, this is just another crucifixion. And I love this quote by Malcolm Muggridge. He says, who among the motley collection of spectators of so obscure an event could possibly have envisaged that there, before their eyes, Another civilization was being born, which would last for 2,000 years, shining so long and so brightly. And that moment, 
It didn't seem significant at the time, but we now know how powerful and significant it was. I've just got two main points this morning and several sub points. (laughs) Two my main points. First one, question. What sort of saviour do we have? Not just what he did, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but what type of saviour, what sort of saviour do we have? I love the fact that Jesus on the cross actually spoke words. There were seven famous sentences that Jesus spoke. Now, if I was on the cross, I would be saying nothing. Jesus actually accomplished things on the cross verbally. I'm not going to talk about it, but he, he actually connected his mother with the the, the disciple John and made sure that his mother was being looked after. He was actually caring for people and thinking about the future of others while he was was dying on the cross. What a great saviour we have. That that depicts who who he is, therefore, as believers, who we can be. One of the first things that Jesus said, we don't know which was the first, but one of the first things he said on the cross was this, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Oh my gosh. While he was dying for the sins of the world and all humanity, he's actually modeling the life. He's forgiving the very people who are doing it to him right then. And he says, For they do not know what they're doing. I believe the highest level of the cross is forgiveness of people who don't know they need forgiveness. That's the example that Jesus had for us and did for us. It was amazing. He modelled life. I I love the description, Mark 10, verse 45, talking about himself. Only Jesus properly could talk about himself in the third person. I have other friends who talk about themselves in the third person (laughs) who I won't mention. But Jesus legitimately could talk about himself in the third person. He said this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His whole purpose was to give his life. They had no idea, the disciples at that point had no idea what was about to happen. And the pathway to the cross was such a painful experience for him. He suffered every level of pain that the human condition could experience. Public humiliation, betrayal, shame, abandonment, mockery, unjustly accused and rejected. And then he suffered the most grotesque Roman torture and crucifixion. I think we should give Jesus another hand right now. But he did all that without virtually saying a word of complaint or even getting off the cross even though he had the power to do that. Jesus modelled how we live. And then, of course, this famous scripture, Philippians chapter two, one of the most amazing passages, verse eight to nine, said, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say, therefore, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name 
that is above every other name. Right now, the name of Jesus is above every other name. Why? Because he went through the pain of the cross. He humbled himself and modelled what truly we can be as disciples. As we humble ourselves, God says, I want to exalt you. I want to lift you up. I want your life to be great, but it's through the pathway of self-humbling. And Jesus modelled that for us. God is so good, isn't he? All right, second point. What happened at the cross? What happened? What actually took place? I remember as a young believer thinking, the cross, okay, Jesus was amazing, but what actually did take place? What, what cosmically, personally, what, what was going on? Why did Jesus actually have to do that? And there's so much we could say, but here's just five quick things. <laughs> Who's ready, anyone? But it relates to that one of the other things he said on the cross, and more than likely was the last thing he said, which was this, it is finished. I love what Pastor Al last week in Avalon said. He didn't say, to be completed. He didn't, he didn't say, you know, and, and we will continue. No, he said, it is finished. Who's glad that's finished, anyway? So I've got five things that, five things that finished on the cross. What, what five things got finished? And thank God they did. Matthew 27, 51. And the actual story, it's also in the Gospel of Mark, the actual story of his crucifixion. At that moment, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And those of you who don't know what this curtain, we're not talking about curtains in the living room. We're talking about, there was a famous curtain that, and I've got, I've just, you're wondering why this phone book is here. I just didn't want to do a phony message this morning. That had a familiar ring to it, didn't it? Sorry. It's Good Friday, we need to laugh, right? In the Jewish temple, in the Jewish temple, there was a curtain that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies, which represented God's presence. Actually, it was God's presence. Once a year, the high priest would go into, through this curtain, and they don't, even historically, they don't even know how they got through it. But they went through this curtain and would sprinkle blood of a goat, a sacrifice, a lamb, to get atonement of sins for the Israelites for that year. Of course, Jesus is our great, not just our great high priest, he is also the Lamb of God. The moment, and okay, this curtain was massive. When I started thinking about this curtain, I'm thinking, oh, it's a little thing, and the priest would just go, you know, I'm through, and have it, ta-da, here I am, on the inside, in the presence of God. This curtain was 20 metres high. This ceiling is 14 metres high. Another six metres above that. This is huge, and it was 100 mil thick. This phone book is 50 mil thick. It was 100 mil thick. So I thought I'd ask the strongest looking man in the room, Jake Bedlam. One? <laughs> he's doing one at a time. Get up. No, try, try and tear that. Try and tear that. You know. the, he, was, he was originally part of the power team. You can't. Uh, oh. <laughs> I mean, this was not some 
tiny little piece of material. This, this curtain was torn not from bottom to top, from top to bottom. I love the fact that it's at that moment, the moment he died, at that moment, the earth shook, the rocks split, People were raised from the dead. This is all in the, in, the, in the Gospels, crazy. I love the scripture in Hebrews, which actually describes as well. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence in the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, there it is, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. His body was actually the curtain. As his body was torn, as his body was broken, it's like the way in. What is the point here? Now, through the cross, we have access to the presence of God. It's like heaven's going, come on in. The party has started. People can get in. And I think also God can escape and get out, out into the world. Now, the way is open. I love it, it says a new and living way. My understanding of religion in my youth was a old and dead way. But in Christ, it is a new and living way. We now have access to the presence of God. God is good. God is good. All right. But wait, there's more. That was the first thing. That was like, wow. How about 1 John 2, 2? He, Christ, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but it qualifies it. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Wait a minute. You mean it's not just about us? It's not just about us in this room? No, when he died, he died for the sins of the whole world. This isn't some exclusive club. Church is not some private little us only. No, 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 no. Church is for the whole world. He, he has already died for the sins of the It's done. The forgiveness has taken place. It's just that people don't know it yet. That's why it's the gospel, the good news. All we need to say is tell people that it's already done. It is finished. It is finished. Number three. Colossians 1, 19 to 20. This will this'll rattle your cage. <laughs> For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself, watch this, all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, what's this? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I could park here for an hour and get really excited about this. Everybody say, reconcile. Okay, uh, who here agrees that we're living in a pretty unreconciled world? On the cross, God reconciled all things, not just our life in Christ, all things to himself. Heaven and earth, God and man, male and female, Gentile Jew, free slave, class, gender, social constructs, divinity and humanity, have all been reconciled in Christ. It's already been done. 
See, the purpose of the cross isn't just to forgive us our sins, but actually to bring reconciliation to a broken world that is unreconciled. If any place needs to be a place of reconciliation, it's the church. And the reconciliation, why has there been so much tension socially, racially, gender, politically? The answer isn't in racial, social, the answer is in the gospel. Because the gospel brings a changed heart so that reconciliation can happen, but it's through God's grace and through God's power. I love, I love Ephesians. Once again, probably one of my favourite passages of Scripture, which I never say that. <laughs> Ephesians 2, verse 14 to 16, just got a few minutes. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, okay, just whatever groups you want, in this case it was Jews and Gentiles, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, in the temple, there were two barriers. So there was the, there was the curtain that divided the holy place from the holy of holies, the presence of God. So we know that, that curtain's come down. And we now have access to the presence of God. Anybody glad about that? There was another barrier. It was actually in the main temple. There was a wall down the middle. And the Jews sat on one side and Gentiles sat on the other side. That's if there were Gentile believers, anyone not Jewish. In the cross, it says that wall, which was called the wall of hostility, has been broken down. How crazy is that? So not only do I have access to God, I now have a barrier broken down between me and other people. The cross is only fulfilled. The cross is only fulfilled. One, when I am received forgiveness, but two, when I now can have hostility and I have peace with brother, peace with sister. That's where community is formed. The early church were a mix, a funny mix of all sorts of people. That sort of society never existed before. The wealthy hung with the wealthy, the poor with the poor, the Jews with the Jews, the Greeks with the Greeks. No one ever intermixed, but now the, through the gospel, all the barriers, the barriers have been broken down. The wall's gone. The wall is gone. The wall is gone, but it only happens through the blood of Christ and in Him. This is good news. Okay, a couple more. Number four, Colossians 2.14. Having cancelled, you're going to love this one. Not that you didn't like the other ones. <laughs> Having cancelled the charge, what's this, of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken away, nailing it to the cross. Oh my God, God really wanted this one sorted. He says, I'm going to nail that sucker to the cross. People's sin, people's indebtedness. People's, because we're in debt, we, we, we owed a debt. Sin created a debt. Guess what? We couldn't afford to pay. So you guys, I'm going to nail that on the cross. It's like a debt, a mortgage. Years ago, we had a house and we had a mortgage with the bank. And the only way we could buy it, we had a second mortgage with the previous owners of the house and they gave us a second mortgage. And it was horrible. It was I mean, thank God for that. We were very thankful for it. But after a while, it was a real burden to us. We were struggling to pay, not just the first, but we were struggling to pay that second. We paid it, but it was really, really tough each month to pay that off. Then we we're praying and seeking God. God, help us. God, help us. Then one day, the previous owners called us and said, we need to see you. And we're like, no, they're going to call in the debt. 
We're not going to be able to pay it. We're going to lose our house. Oh, no. We were, you know, super positive. <laughs> Full of paste and flour. Faith and power, sorry. <laughs> and we met them. I was really nervous. I thought, what's going to happen? Anyway, they came up to us and said, God has spoken to us. They were Christians. Otherwise, that would have been weird. <laughs> and said, uh, we need to sow a seed into good soil. The only soil that we know that doing something in the States is you guys, uh, we want to forgive you of that debt. And it was, I don't know, 28, 28, 29,000 US dollars. We were like, half the day left. <laughs> we were like, thank you so much. That's, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Gave them hugs, incredible. Half they left, they drove off. We were like, ah! <laughs> like, ah! the relief. The burden, and we still owe the huge first mortgage. But to get rid of this thing, it's amazing how indebtedness, even just money will do it to you. Well, imagine sin that you can't, the debt of sin that you can't pay. That's that debt document, document nailed to the cross. And it's gone. It disappeared. We're forgiven. How good is that? Last one. Who wants to hear the last one? This is really good. I think this is probably, no one won't say that. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's the fifth thing that happened when he said Jesus, when it was finished? You and I died. We died. You might say, wow, that's a great point of celebration there. It's like, thank God, I can't wait for Sunday. <laughs> but you can't have Resurrection Sunday until you have Crucifixion Friday. And it wasn't just Jesus that died on the cross. This is, as a young believer, this is probably one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced to get this one I'm saying right now. Not only was Jesus on the cross, I was on the cross too. Well, what, what do you mean I was on the cross? I wasn't physically, of course not. But my, my sin nature, my, 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 the life that can't follow God, that miserable life that tries and tries and tries to be good, but can't, that person died. And it's not just a one out thing. When we were planning, our church, planning this church in New York, uh, I had several jobs, both Bernie and I had several jobs while we were planning this church. And, and you know, that was challenging, but it was great because we met a whole bunch of people. And one of the jobs was working with a local historical society. And I, I, I helped look after some of these massive old buildings that were part of the Long Island history. One day my boss called me and said, can you meet me at a particular venue, an old house that I'd never been to? And I, and I met him there and he, and he said, just bring your, your, your rough clothes, whatever. I said, no worries. Met him there and it was a 17, a building built in the 1700s, three stories high, all with cedar shingles, massive house. And it was a piece of history. George Washington apparently had slept there. Uh, I think I got my dates right there. <laughs> Um, not known for my history. Uh, 
And it was a very classic old building. And he said, Mark, your job, I want you to strip the paint off every shingle of this house. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Because I don't think it had been painted since 1726. And he he gave me a ladder, a little thing that looked like a toaster, except one side of it was open, so it was a little element thing connected to a power cord and a scraper. He said, the first thing you've got to do is scrape the old paint off every shingle individually. So I'm like, okay. He said, you better get started. So I just started at one level and I up this ladder. It was the middle of summer. It was super hot. Just had a pair of shorts on. And I was just, I put, the, I put the burner thing on the one shingle and before it, the house burnt down, took it off. It would melt the paint and I'd scrape the paint. A few times I'm like, I was getting a bit distracted and heavy and I left it on too long and the, the shingles would catch fire. Imagine, you know, Pastor Burns down, famous old. <laughs> and I'm like, one shingle, one shingle would take me like five to six, seven minutes to do at least. Whatever, and there's thousands and thousands of shingles and it's three stories high. And I'm like, literally, I was about five hours into the job, up there in the boiling heat, and I, I started praying. Who knows that's a good time to pray? And I prayed a very specific prayer, Father. And I felt this sense of like, I was in like, he was hearing me. I said, why did you bring me here? <laughs> I came from this church. I was on full-time salary here, living in the northern beaches. Now I'm like doing all these crazy jobs and I'm, I'm here scraping paint. And the, by the way, the church was not doing well. It was early days. They stayed away in their thousands. <laughs> Except for Dave <laughs> and Pam. <laughs> and I'm like, what am, what, am, what am I doing this for? This is insane. Father, why did you bring me here? As quick as that and as clear as that, immediately the Lord said to me, it wasn't audible, but it almost was, I brought you here to kill you. <laughs> I'm like... Anyone else up there? (laughs) The craziest thing happened. Instantly, something died on the inside of me. You know what died? My ambition. My, my drive. My ambition. My desire to succeed for my purposes. Here's the crazy thing. Couple of weeks after that, church started to grow. Why? Because I died. I died. See, the cross, you dying on the cross isn't just for sin. It is the things in your human frame that are not yielded to God. That's why Jesus said, Hey guys, unless you pick up your cross, isn't it interesting? He didn't say my cross, is unless you pick up your cross. And follow me, you're not worthy to be my disciples. God, that one of the greatest gifts to you this morning is your death. But on the other side of that death is a resurrected version of you. And that's coming. But that's the thing, the thing that God wants to do. God wants to kill us. <laughs> but for a really good purpose. <laughs> His heart is in the right place. Why don't we stand to our feet right now?
I think the only thing, the only response to what the Scriptures say that happened on the cross must be worship. This morning we've thanked Him, we've praised Him, but I believe the only response must be worship. Why don't we just lift our hands right now in the presence of God? I know we've done this already, but allow God to touch your life. And we're just going to, just for the next 90 seconds, even now, even before the band starts, why don't you just begin to verbally just thank God, thank God. Maybe one of those things, one of those five things is coming real to you and coming alive to you. Thank you, Jesus, right now. Just begin to verbally thank Him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the C3SYD podcast. To make sure you don't miss out on our next podcast, click subscribe. If you want to find out more about following Jesus, get connected, or find a C3SYD location near you, head to c3syd.church forward slash connect with us. Don't forget you can find us on YouTube and Instagram at c3.syd. We look forward to having you back soon.